Hi, I'm Rachel England, and this is Brain Yapping, Battle Damaged, a podcast where me and my friend and renowned neuroscientist Dean Burnett discuss all matters mental health, because 2020 really did its best to kick the crap out of ours. Hello. Hello, Rachel. Hello again. Hello. How is it going? It's not been two years, which I think is a good bit of progress on our part. <laughs> Look at us. We're doing it. We're forming <laughs> <Yeah>. a routine. <laughs> which is like all we can do these days. So. Well, that, exactly. What, what else do we have if not a routine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got obviously several routines on the go with them um, homeschooling. So, uh, do you know, I have to say yeah. that that is, that's something that I am genuinely in awe of. The number of parents on my timelines that are just ripping their hair out at the moment um it's it's heroic i can't believe i mean we all if if you listen to mum to our last series of brain yap you, you'll know that my attitude towards children is very much they're fine um, <laughs> but i'm really i'm just surprised that more parents just haven't like fully punted their kids outside <laughs> and gone i don't know i can't do it <laughs> yeah. i think your approach to children is like it's like how I feel about foot fetishes. I mean, it's fine if people have that, what? but I don't understand the appeal. So. Oh my god! I mean, okay, actually, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, there's no, there's no shame in it, I suppose, yeah. but it's just not for everyone. Yeah, I, I just, I don't get why you do that. I don't, I, I cannot relate to the, to the temptation or the desire that you are experiencing. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just always think back to like taking homework home when I was a kid, and you know. Like, because my mum used to be a maths teacher, right? And she'd be like, I don't know what the fuck's happened. Like, how have they changed maths somehow? And, like, the way things were done were completely different. And that was just once a, well, I mean, once a week. I mean, I quickly learned that there was no point asking them for help because it was just going to end in tears for everyone. So imagine that, eight hours a day, five mm. days a week. No, I just can't fathom it. Yeah, well, I've, I'm sort of lucky in a way that Millard, my eight-year-old, is... Um... He's a good student. He, uh, I've walked into the room a few times because uh, I've been doing, when my wife's not at work, she takes the homeschooling. So I'm in here doing stuff like this. And uh, I just walked into the computer and said, what are you doing, buddy? He goes, I'm doing my maths by yourself. Goes, yeah, okay. Goes, so I think now that I've shared this, any parents listening are going to sort of send me death threats. Because yes, I was going to say, I can imagine a lot of parents are literally listening to this going, well, that's good for you, isn't it, Dean? Yeah. You go fuck yourself. But I will say the, the five-year-old does more than compensate for the... Uh, for the uh, she, she is spirited, I think is the word, for... <laughs> fucking lunatic. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, she's... She, she does things on her own terms and her own terms don't include schoolwork a lot of the time yeah. so she does what she wants yeah yeah so it's an uphill struggle in that regard so yeah it's um you know it balances out to being a just a basic low-level trauma every single day <laughs> just, <laughs> just, uh, uh, just gets you out of bed i suppose yeah uh, yes I'm like well, they, they do yes they do <laughs> just, i've never been a morning person but it's been eight years since my kids i'm still not a morning person i don't know what else i can do to try <laughs> to shift into that mindset but it's not happening okay uh, so what are we going to talk about today dean well um thanks to uh my involvement with the uh, cosmic shambles network which this is hosted on hi trent hi robin thanks for this thanks for this everyone um i did the uh, you know we said last time we would like some questions from listeners to see if we can tackle anything from the mental health perspective, you know, whenever you put questions, you know, whenever I put anything out there saying contribute your mental health stuff, people tend to be very uh, receptive and they will, <coughs> you know, they want, they want to know things because it's still quite a, you know, 
uncharted territory for many. Mm. And I did a science shambles episode, uh, the Sunday science show. People submit questions and we discuss them about mental health. They did it twice because there were so many questions and we still didn't get through them all. So Trent has sent some uh, residuals over. So I believe you've got one of those we can discuss. Yes, okay. So we're not actually sure who this one was from. If this is yes, your apologies. question, <laughs> shout out to you. Um, let us know and we can name check you. But the question goes, I understand that high anxiety or fight or flight was incredibly advantageous at a time when big things with big teeth were trying to eat you. But why do we still have such a huge hangover of that? Has there not been enough time for it to evolve out of the, evolve out of the population? Or does it still have enough use and those with panic are just outliers? So, mm, yes. that's... That, to me, is a very interesting question because my mental health experiences have predominantly centred around anxiety and panic disorder. Hmm. And so, for me, fight or flight is all very well and good, but just half the time my brain is just trying to flee something and I don't know what yeah. it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I mean, I, I myself understand, yeah, once upon a time, if something was trying to eat me, get it, stand my ground or run away. But now there's nothing trying to eat me, not in a, in a, in a tangible sense anyway. Um, so this is something that is, um, yeah, really a question that really resonates with me. Yeah, and I think, um, <clears throat> I think we discussed it in our uh, post-show analysis from last time. But, you know, last time we spoke about what I've gone through in lockdown and things like that, and you... You know, in your defence, you sort of let me, <coughs> pardon me, you let me take the floor there because uh, mm. I had more stuff to talk about than uh, than usual. Um, but we didn't sort of touch on your experiences, and like, I know you've downplayed them a lot. But I hope hope this doesn't count as outing you and stuff. But you're in my um, you know, my my, my new book, which has sort of inspired this about all mental health, and you're one of my contributors. And you mentioned you actually have a thesis based on your disorders. So well, I mean, just I mean, it's not <laughs> just so we're clear. It's not like like. They've named any new disorders after me. It's not like I'm right. like just such just like feat of miracle of science that like they're like you know <laughs> Rachel syndrome. Um, <laughs> but yes, so I I had a period of therapy some years ago, and I was given this therapy by the government after I was a victim of violent crime, and I was very much kind of like, so you've been a victim of violent crime, come along for some therapy. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, it's free. <laughs> and uh, I was supposed to have like five sessions with this woman and I ended up having 52 because she was like, I'm actually doing my PhD and I think you'd make a really interesting subject. And I was like, great, that's, that's great. I don't know what this means. <laughs> Thank you. Question <laughs> mark. So, yeah. yeah, so that that was that was you know made me feel real special. Yeah, um, so, like, so I don't know. So I was just worried that we were downplaying like what you've experienced, as in like, oh, I just have a bit of a light neurosis every now and then. No, no, you've you, you've been through it, you know. You've uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I am patient X in some book somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so well um, done, question mark. <laughs> yeah, no. Are you proud of me now, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so basically, like I said, a lot of my a lot of my issues revolve around panic and anxiety. <clears throat> excuse me, which I have over the years managed to get a handle on through various different methods. I mean, um, a, a lot of them is just I, I'm super reluctant to say this because I know how bullshit it sounds. But for me, a lot of it is um, lifestyle stuff. So mm. trying to you know get the right amount of sleep, but not too much sleep. 
not eating too much shit, you know, not drinking too much. Um, and I, I will bookend all of this with the very firm disclaimer that that will not solve mental health issues. You <laughs> right, know, yeah. I'm never yeah. going to say, hey, go and do some yoga or eat more fruit and veg or anything like that. But so I you, managed... you said it last week, but in jest. So, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm never going to um, be one of those sort of proponents. But for me personally, it's just it's just been like a long uphill battle with all of those factors and also just sort of like trying to realign my thinking and whatnot. Um, and also, I, uh, I am on antidepressants. I, my depression is sort of like a byproduct of like living with constant anxiety. But yeah, I'll do that. So I've kind of got a handle on it, and it's, it's all relatively stable. I mean, peaks and troughs, right? But the whole fight or flight thing is particularly interesting to me in the wake of lockdown, because as you yourself said, Dean, when we were chatting about this topic the other day, um, you can't fight or flight a pandemic no. can you <laughs> those are no, neither of those is a valid response to a pandemic like there is yeah. nothing to be done and i think i obviously can't speak for everybody but for me a lot of it comes down to a sense of control okay uh, my panic disorder exacerbates when i feel like i'm not in control of a situation and so i remember very clearly back in march when old boris said okay we're going into lockdown and i was I was just buzzing with anxiety and I, I felt like I felt like almost like I might even tip into a panic attack and the reason for this was not so much like the gravity of this is a potentially you know well this is a, a fatal pandemic and people will be will suffer it was more suddenly everything's out of my control I can't there's nothing I can do here you know mm. I can't I can't control this situation. I can't actively fight it and change the outcome. I felt absolutely helpless. Um, and that was when, yeah, my anxiety really sort of peaked. And I, I, I know, having spoken to quite a few people about this, that I'm not the only one that's sort of going through this. And it's something that over the course of the year, I've kind of, you know, managed to get a lid on. But there are still times, especially when, you know, you're confronted with more doom-laden reports of, oh, this is going to be, this will last for months, or, you know, Australia is going to close its borders until 2022 or whatever. And I'm like, why do I care about what Australia is doing? But the fact <laughs> that they are doing that still makes me feel helpless. Do you know what I mean? Totally, um, yeah. But yeah, if I sit and reflect on it for too long, then again, I end up getting incredibly anxious because it's this big life-changing thing that's entirely out of my control. And mm. I can neither fight it nor flee it. Yeah. Um, so I know and I understand that for me, a lot of that comes down to this, yeah, like I said, this element of control. And I think that sort of goes hand in hand. It's just like the kind of person that I am inherently. But the, going back to the original question, why do we still even have this <laughs> measure in our brains? What, why does that still even exist? Has it? evolved out of the population or is it just like one of these inherent things like you know if you see a a big angry spider people are going to go because somewhere in our reptilian brains we're like that's going to kill us <laughs> yeah well um <clears throat> taking those points individually the I, I, I get asked a lot about people saying like how is the brain going to evolve like over the next 10,000 years? I, I don't know. I'm not, not going to be there. How was, how was that a question? But, um, not psychic. Yeah, that, that's not even how evolution works. It doesn't have a, like, a long-term plan. Like, you know, Where do you see yourself in five <laughs> millennia? 
it's not a thing. Brain sat in an interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's a spleen and a lung that's going. Mm, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> Little suits and ties. What a horrible image. And it's um, yeah, but it's this idea that you know everything in the brain evolves for a reason and fades out for a reason, and that's not how it works. You no, know, evolution doesn't work that way. It's it's a response to what the environment demands at the time. And if it, if it has uses going forward, great. It'll um, it'll be handy. You know, the species will survive. Uh, mm-hmm. But to get to the point of fight or flight, I think these actually they expand. It's been expanded to fight, flight, or freeze uh, mm. to keep keep the alliteration going. And you know, you've, you've all seen that. Like the your rabbits and hamsters will just sort of stop there and flinch and not move when they're scared or something because they don't know what to do about it and hopefully they'll go away. But uh, you know, fight or flight both draw attention to themselves, whereas freeze does not generally. So, but either way, you can't do that to a pandemic either. If anything, that's the worst option because well, stay I, mean, I, su- I suppose you can, and that's just to do nothing. Yeah, but that, 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 I mean, neither of those options does anything about the pandemic. Oh, just, yes, yeah. of course, yeah. They're all valid responses, you know, in terms of how your brain's perceiving things, but they don't have any tangible results, really. Mm, mm. Um, but, like, yeah, the, the idea that, you know, humans as a species have only been around a couple of million years, and our brains evolved, they, don't, they, got, they got 50% bigger than neocortex in the space of, like, 2 million years, which is ludicrously speedy that's it's a massive inflation of brain capacity and size in a very short space of time on the evolutionary scale but the whole fight or flight thing comes from the threat detection stuff and the fundamental you know fear response and looking out for dangers and that's way more fundamental and way more deeply ingrained than you know something like you know the ability to understand language or like rational thinking and stuff these are all relatively new traits we have but the fight, no, the fight or flight thing, like I say, it's kept us alive as a species through you know, God knows how long, how many lineages. It's it's not quite part of the reptile brain, as they say, the deepest, most fundamental parts which keep your body alive and things, but it's not far off from there. You know, it incorporates that, uh, bits of that in it. So it's just so deep, so incredibly uh, influential and powerful. It's just like it's fundamental. It's like our memory system. We wouldn't evolve out of our memory system because we're always using it, and we are always using the fight or flight system. It's just that it doesn't often get to full fight or flight. It's not a binary thing. It's not. It's not like real calm, real calm, panic attack, real calm, real calm. Well, some people do have that, and that's a problem. That's that's why that's uh, that's why that's logged as a disorder. Mm. But there are um, yeah. So stress is the sort of the precursor, the low level fight or flight response. It's um, the way I describe it. It's if fight or flight is like the big boss in a video game. Stress is like all the minions it sends you have to wade through before you get to it. And okay. They can, no, they're not as big and powerful, but they can definitely weigh you down and they can hurt you and they can cause you serious damage just by sheer constant attrition. And one thing the brain hasn't evolved to do is handle long-term chronic low-level stress. Like We are meant to experience stress in sort of short bursts. Like there's a big thing with teeth. There's a, some spiky rocks. And like they... There's a rival. These are things which charge us up. And in nature, they're normally dealt with in a short space of time. You know, either you beat it, you leave it alone, it goes away or it kills you. Either, either way, it's done. It's dealt with. But one thing we have evolved is the ability to understand intangible things. So we have the you know, these powerful brains have sort of become their own worst enemy in this regard because we can be stressed out. We can be afraid of things which might never happen, which... You know, maybe haven't happened, and which definitely won't happen. I mean, if you've ever 
So across the road, and there's a car coming right behind you. Like, it's, oh my God, two seconds earlier, that car would have hit me. And, you know, that's, that's crazy. That's panicked. But it, it didn't. That can't mm-hmm. happen now. But we still dwell on it because, you know, we are learning creatures. We, we, we observe and we learn and we understand how things link in relationships and we extrapolate. So we can be scared now. Uh, oh, we can learn to, we can easily understand how to fear things which have no direct tangible effect on us in, in, in a physical sense. So we can be afraid of losing our job in our next performance review in six months' time because of something that happened yesterday which the boss might not know about. You know, it's like you can put all that together and think, oh God, he's going to really read me next time I go into the, that meeting. And that stresses you out. It might never happen. It might not be anything to be concerned about. People be stressed out about their football team not you know, making the, the qualifiers. It's a group of people who you don't know, have never met, and they, they don't care about you. They don't know you. They don't know you exist. But they're, you know, what they do stresses you out. And there's no real logic for that. You know, it's just part of you know, it's, it's how you perceive the, perceive the world. But you know, it's a source of stress. And stress chemicals like pump through our body. They have all these constant side effects. Like, you know, they suppress the immune system. They can re- you know, play with your weight and metabolism. And they can like overly tax neurons in your brain. And that's one theory, you know, is the underlying mechanisms of anxiety and depression in that depression comes from, not from you know, chemical imbalance, as they say, but from when parts of the brain which regulate mood and allow us to feel different moods and respond to things, those become exhausted by constant stress. So they sort of, they put in a standby and we can't change our moods anymore. And a lot of the stress comes from when you, if you've got anxiety. So that's why you get anxiety and depression, which they often comorbid, they manifest together more often than not, well, not more often than not, like 30% of the time. But people with depression tend to be you know, the ones who have been more stressed before as well. And so it all sort of adds up to that. So the reason we haven't evolved out of it is that you know, that part of our brain is constantly being used more than ever, technically. And that's mm. not good, but you know, it doesn't mean it's, it's not going to go away if we're still using it, essentially. No, but over time, I mean, I've, I mean I'm assuming they were talking sort of like several hundreds, thousands of years, is that something that the brain will eventually go, hey, do you know what? This is not a sustainable way to exist. We need to find a better way of like managing this. I think if, you know, if humans didn't interfere with their reproductive abilities and things like that, then possibly, you know, if, if the world is as it was now and stayed like this for millions of years, and then some, some people were born with like the genetic mutation, which meant they didn't have such a, powerful fight-or-flight response and then they became like oh they 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 suit this world better because although there are all these stressful things they aren't affected by them they would be able to sort of you know keep a job better they wouldn't get stressed out they wouldn't they fall ill as, as a result of that and they wouldn't have any particular vulnerabilities to that so they would be more successful <coughs> therefore become you know, superior in some way and more recognized as such and they'd reproduce more and that sort of genetic change would potentially sweep through the population but that requires so uh, maintaining this world as it is for, like say, several hundred thousand, maybe millions of years. Mm. And that's not going to happen. And also we, we don't think like that now. We've, we've gone beyond, I think we've gone past the point where such a simple change would be, you know, would be the be all and end all of that. Because, you know, we, people now who are, you know, well, a lot of our most, most celebrated artists are people who had serious mental health problems. You know, it, inspired, it spurred their creativity. It made them different and have an outsider's perspective and it, you know, it, 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 there's, there's all different sociological impacts for that but these you know, now and I think it's a good thing if you're born different you know, even ob- objectively or you know from a neutral perspective in a way which is like 
a deficit, uh, you still have, you know, you still can make a very valid contribution. You still can be praised and become a superior person by other people's standards because that's, you know, our society is too complex now to be so yes or no. So, yeah, it, it could feasibly evolve away, but I just don't see it happening given how complex things are now. Hmm. I mean, I feel that given gestures broadly at everything, um, <laughs> What's happening in the world at the moment, I mean, like, let's be honest, it, it was all kind of on fire. I mean, yeah. like, and literally in some places <laughs> as well. Um, I think the idea of anxiety is something that is becoming, uh, I think something that people are more aware of, perhaps individuals that hadn't really ever sort of dealt with any levels of anxiety before in this new world and the lockdown and with these pandemic restrictions, people are becoming more anxious. Mm. Um, and then I suppose the risk is, like you say, when you're dealing with that over a period of time, and there's constant stress on the brain, then there is the risk of depression. And I mean, certainly that's what happened for me when I was younger over a long period of time. Do you think that we could actually see an uptick in people with depression as a result of the pandemic? I mean, I think we're seeing it already. A lot of, sorry, a lot of the data shows that people are reporting increased levels of mental health symptoms already even children and things and so you know it's it's happening it, it it would be surprising if it didn't happen i guess in that there's you know, there's so many things to be stressed about now um i guess it, this sort of invokes like where do you define a disorder from like general anxiety you know general anxiety disorder is a thing generalized anxiety disorder is the the go-to anxiety condition but you know like if you're worried about there being a pandemic and you know which could hurt you and take ones you love that that is a legitimate concern mm. like one of the things which defines an anxiety disorder is when the anxious response the fear response is disproportionate uh, to what's causing it or has no obvious trigger it's just like a generalized and like why are you anxious i don't know and you know it there are lots of parallels with depression in that people say, oh, you know, just think positive, just cheer up. You can't do that. Or someone anxious, oh, just chill out, calm down. I can't. I, I want to. I don't enjoy this. This isn't my, this isn't a hobby. But it's, you know, you're stuck with this because this is what you've got. This is what your brain's doing to you. And, yeah, so we probably, we think we are seeing an uptick in mental health symptoms and stuff. But there's so many factors which lead into that. You know, we are in a situation where, stress and anxiety is a valid response and so you know what, what what's to be done about that is a, is a good well question. i mean that's that's exactly it, isn't it what is there to be done about that because we can't as i said at the beginning of this episode if, for a lot of people that are newly experiencing anxiety as a result of a pandemic i suppose much of it is less about the pandemic itself and the anxiety around the pandemic itself and more to do with the change of lifestyle that it has catalyzed I think for me, when I, when I was feeling particularly anxious when lockdown was first announced, you know, the, yes, obviously I was concerned about the impact of like this deadly virus on the people that I love and care about. But for me, it represented a loss of control over my lifestyle and what I had come to rely on as coping mechanisms to get me through the day, you know. Yeah, um, totally. And so, yes, I guess a lot of people now who are experiencing anxiety as a result of it, it's not about... It's not about COVID-19 directly, but more about the fact that they had these added pressures from homeschooling their kids or having to work in a new way or 
so on and so forth. And I suppose there are ways that those individual factors can be addressed in terms of fight or flight. I mean, you could just ignore your kids or you could <laughs> yell at your boss about, like, a, you know, nobody wants to use Teams, let's use <laughs> Zoom or whatever. Okay. Um, but it's all, it's all there, isn't it? It's just a new layer of stuff to think about pressing on the bits of your brain that are causing anxiety. Absolutely. And I, I, I think another big part of that is a lot of people have like referred to the new normal, like how are you adjusting to the new normal? But there hasn't been a normal long enough yet. I mean, we've <clears throat> been in a lockdown for like, what, three months? And it was in, we loose the lockdown a bit. And now it's summertime, so eat out to help out. Now you can go out and eat stuff and actually we pay you to do it. And actually, you can see your parents now. You can see your family. Actually, you can't do that. Actually, schools are back, but no, they're not back. Uh, um, you know, you travel long distance, but don't come in. Uh, you know, go go to work. Don't go to work. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, now we're back in lockdown again. And one thing that does cause a lot of stress is just general uncertainty. You know, not uncertainty of anything in particular, but just uncertainty itself as a concept. When the brain doesn't know what to expect, that means it can't prepare for it. It can't, like, you know, it doesn't know what defences to have. It doesn't... It doesn't know if the fight or flight response is warranted, mm. so it sort of like primes it anyway on the off chance because that's you know all things being equal, that is the safest option. I might not need to be stressed, but if I am, then, then I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if I do need to, then I'm ready. If I don't, if I do need to, I'm not ready. Then it's going to eat me, and that's 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 an unhelpful survival strategy. So if you, I think you you touched touched on something there actually that's that's quite pertinent is the constant changing of the rules yeah totally i mean back at the beginning of lockdown and where in our last episode we discussed this idea about this newfound solidarity and we're all in this together and it was very simple which was just don't go out and you that's it don't mm. go out unless you have to and that's the end of it and um and it was a shock absolutely it was a shock but people sort of knew where they were with the rules and we could all adjust together and then there was the easing, and then it was different in Wales and England, and then Scotland had their own rules, and then there were tears, and then there was this, and it was okay, yeah. and then, and nobody knows what the fuck is going on. <laughs> exactly. So that yeah. can only exacerbate the anxiety, right? Because as soon as you're given this tiny little glimmer of hope, which is, oh, you know, as of next week, um, you'll be able to go to the pub until 10 o'clock and you're like, God, yes, okay, normality. And you kind of get hyped, don't you? Like, maybe life's returning to normal. And then that's taken away from you again. And you're having this constant back and forth. And yes, exactly as you say, it's just easier to be anxious all the time because then you're ready for any eventuality. <laughs> Not to <coughs> go too light, but have you seen that... Um... There's a video going on. Like I sent it, uh, Nicholas Sturgeon's press conference. There's a guy in this room watching it, and it's it's not Nicholas Sturgeon. It's a Scottish comedian just being incredibly sweary at you were told stay in the house, <laughs> just screaming at this guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'll send it to you. It, it, it's a it's funny, but it's like that would have been. I think people would appreciate that. They said the boss said. Stop going outside, you back of bastards. <laughs> Sit but that, down, but that's it. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think that if it was just clear guidance from the outset, then pe perhaps mm. people would just be a little bit less stressed because there'd be fewer variables. And I wonder as well if actually the fact that there are all of these variables in the rules, you know, creates anxiety in other ways and that you see people breaking the rules or pushing the rules, pushing the boundaries of what's acceptable mm. or not because they don't know what the fuck's going on. And then that makes you more anxious. Okay, well, 
they're going to spread you know they're going to spread it or someone i love will get ill because of them or it's just going to keep going on longer because people aren't paying <coughs> attention mm, definitely and that's actually a thing which came up recently because i did an interview for a magazine and they said they seemed like a lot of interviews and data recently which showed that some people are really anxious about the end of lockdown you know mm. lockdown coming to an end and that worries them um i mean how do you feel about what's your plan for when when lockdown ends i'm gonna say when i'll say if because that's just that's just pessimism well i mean at, at the beginning of this all i used to joke with people that would be like if i woke up one day and just magically it was all over and they were like life returns to normal then I would straight up go out and you would not see me for three to five business days. Like, <laughs> I am not coming home for a long time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I am, again, optimistic like you. Yes, it will end eventually. I mean, I might be drawing a pension by the time it does. But even if I am, I'm still going to go to the pub. Mm. Um, I mean, for me, I don't feel particularly anxious about the end of it. I think for me, it will actually it will help to lessen some of the anxiety in my life because as we said in the last episode you know i am i work at home anyway and so for me a lot of my stress relief comes from going out and mixing with people and seeing friends and that's that's my loss you know <coughs> yeah. during all of this um that being said i can anticipate some anxiety around work because I think that over the course of the last year or so you know there's just been this attitude of cool well we're all dealing with these you know quote unprecedented times and so I think that people have made you know maybe more allowances or there's not quite the same like rigid expectations of people in a kind of professional context and so I wonder if when this is all over or when lockdown finishes you know how how the workforce will respond to that mm, and totally. will the same pressures and responsibilities and stresses be in place as there was before or will things change yeah um, that's one part of it, isn't it and also i think a lot of people <clears throat> i think if it was like like before like you know back in march last year when you had three months of intense lockdown if they say they're right it's done everyone back outside i think everyone would have welcomed that with open arms and you know, some mm. people did even though that didn't really happen and um but I think now, because it's gone so long, mm. <clears throat> I think, it's, again, there's a lot more uncertainty. As in, so say if Boris Johnson came on telly tomorrow and said, oh, lockdown's over, he's just mumbling away. And he, and then we said, okay, cool. So I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily. A, because everything he says seems to backfire immediately anyway. But you know, all you know, can you be sure that the virus is gone? Can you trust other people around you? Like if you say, like, because we've all had a vaccine, you can all go outside now. People will go out. There will be people out there who have not had a vaccine who just want to go out anyway. Mm. I will just say they have had it and carry on regardless. It well, doesn't, I think, doesn't take many, does it? I think that, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's been an absolute leadership shit show. <laughs> has not gonna, won't have done anything to instill trust and faith in people. And that invariably has led to additional anxieties. Um, but also, yes, the fact is, is that, you know, there are these new variants which are supposedly a lot more transmissible that's mm. going to be an anxiety that's going to be a concern and as you say yeah okay we could all get the we all get the vaccination but without wanting to give them too much airtime you know anti-vaxxers exist and so there mm. will be people that will like willfully not get the vaccine and what impact will that have and all of these new facets and worries and concerns that have sprung up in the more recent months so 
I think that I, th I think that COVID anxiety is going to exist for a long time, even after lockdown has finished. <coughs> yeah, totally. And I think there's going to be, I mean, lockdown's not going to finish. It's not going to be, okay, lockdown is on, now it's off. Everything's open again. It's mm. going to be a gradual thing. There's going to be phase reopening, as yes. it should be. You know, it's like, right, we do this, numbers go up. No, okay, we'll do a bit more. Numbers go up, no. I mean, again, I assume that's the case, because that seems to be the only logical way of doing it, but that's not really been a motivating factor in a lot of what's going on so far. So... Let's hope that's not the case this time. But yeah, but then I think someone pointed out that, yeah, it's all well and good to say, okay, lockdown's finished now. But like you say, the work thing, say if you've been working from home for ages and, or say like if you are paranoid about COVID or you know, you are the one, more, you're a shielding person. You know, before with COVID, there's some, there's some support for you. You can apply for, you know, income support. And if someone says, can I come around? You can say, no, I, I don't want to go because of COVID. And it's, it's a valid excuse. Mm. Once lockdown is over, all those valid excuses are no longer, they don't have as much currency now. Even if they are still the case, you know, come to the pub, we're all going out to celebrate. I, I'm still shielding this. Oh, what's the matter with you then? You know, like, that could be a sound of a friendship. You know, that, that'll put people in tricky situations. And no, that's it's, not good. That's anxiety inducing. Uh, yeah, interestingly, you mentioned that. I, I have been aware, aware of a few people that have said, you know, that they're concerned about lockdown ending in whatever shape or form it does is because they are naturally very introverted didn't particularly like going out and so actually the need to stay in has kind of fortified that um to the point where some some people i know now are actually afraid to go out you mm. know or or just simply leaving the house becomes like a, a hugely seemingly insurmountable challenge um and that i think is something that will will be an issue for individuals in that in that way in at the end of lockdown is how how do you go back to quote normal society without without there being friction <clears throat> exactly and that's going to cause anxiety which will mm -hmm. lead into <laughs> detrimental to mental health and we'll have more disorders as a result so ironically you can have like lockdown leading to higher rates of mental health problems and the end of lockdown leading to higher rates of mental health problems which is which is fun, you know, it's generous. Well, just, everyone gets a slice of the pie. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's an optimistic slant on that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the anxiety pie. Mm. So what what do you think then, what do you think can be done about this? Because obviously in the, in the current times, in the midst of the pandemic, we're seeing anxieties, we're seeing anxieties around the rules changing, which they will, we'll undoubtedly see anxieties um, when lockdown ends and whatever shape that takes, what do you think the long-term implications of this are going to be? So it's a, it's a sort of it's a mixed bag of things in that. Yeah, we'll see more people being anxious, but maybe it'll help. In like uh, you know, like like I said last time, there are cases of uh, people with anxiety and depression who find their symptoms are the same or lessened by the whole pandemic lockdown because it kind of validates what they feel it gives mm. you a sense of, of that and things and pardon me because we're all um you know people have by necessity had to embrace like, remote online communication now like we're doing it with this and that hopefully that'll become a more accepted norm is it okay do you want to go to the pub tonight no we just zoom instead all right you know that <clears throat> that might be nice to people give people that option you know, people who can't get babysitters people who can't leave the house because of you know remote 
lack of public transport and stuff, you might give them more of a social life rather than less because these new norms have been established. So there are, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. There are some potential upsides to all of this. But having said that, you know, it, you know, it, the world, there is more to worry about in the world right now. Not just the pandemic. The, you know, can you trust other people to do things responsibly? Is the economy going to cope with this? And in both, you know, in the first case, the answer is off. Sometimes no. The second times, it's not entirely. And there's no, there's no easy answer. I think when it comes to limiting your own anxiety, I guess the obvious recommendation, at least to begin with, would be to say, you know, try and limit your exposure to the things that cause you anxiety. I think that's the one advantage of being stuck at home all the time is that you have the power, quote unquote, to, you know, to shut things off. Isn't it? You don't have to check the news from Australia. You don't have to constantly doom scroll, uh, even though that's, you know, that's maybe how people feel connected these days. It's like, what's everyone else up to? Oh God, <laughs> just going back to your, to your bed. But you, you don't have to do that. You can, you know, sort of filter things out. I know people say you shouldn't do that of echo chambers and things like that. But if it's genuinely causing you stress and anxiety, I think it's a very valid approach to say, look, I'm just going to take care of me now. I'm just going to have to do the bare minimum of what I got to do to get through the day. Mm. And I'm just going to switch off for a bit because otherwise I'm not going to be any good to anyone. That's not helpful. I wonder as well if it will actually create a new narrative around mental health because everybody in some shape or form has been impacted by this, you know, mentally. Um, and I wonder if it will create a, a new sort of tolerance for it. I think because a lot of people, you know, have in the past been afraid to sort of discuss their mental health issues because it is still, sadly, is still quite a taboo topic. Totally, yeah. Um, but now, with this global step change... In everybody's lives, and people, like I said in the episode, you know, previously about how everybody's experiencing some level of anxiety or or change or or sadness in some shape or form. Perhaps people that were previously averse to talking about mental health or even acknowledging its existence might might be more willing to open up a narrative. You know, well, that's hopefully the case. Yeah, it'll give people more insight, more empathy, more just general appreciation understanding for what happens to you when you have a mental health problem or your mental well-being declines in some way and i don't know sort of that can happen without necessarily going to full-blown diagnosis territory but it's still unhelpful and unpleasant mm. so like there's a chance for that you know is in people might bond better now is it like because it also it, it just expands the vocabulary it's like oh, i'm feeling anxiety what's, what's that like well you know when you're in lockdown and you just couldn't go anywhere and it, you know, it gives a it's a cultural touchstone now. You can say, it's like when we all did that. You know, that thing we all did is, oh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't fun. Exactly. So you imagine they doing that all for three years in a row. Was, I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. No, I, like, I like that idea, though, of, of lockdown being viewed as a cultural touchstone and as potentially something that could bring us all together. Yeah, I think there's potential for that. I mean, I'd, like I say, I think I mentioned last week more flippantly in terms of it's a conversation like the weather, but... Mm. It's, you know, it, it does mean we all have this thing in common now. We can say, yeah, it's like when lockdown, when this happened. It's like, you know how you did this in lockdown. Or mm. it's like when you're bored in lockdown and you just can't help making bread. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've accidentally made some bread. Oh, what is this? 2020 lockdown? <laughs> I'm, sure, yeah, I'm sure that's happened to some people. <laughs> and there's not, no, this isn't a joke about yeast infections. <h- 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 okay, well, <laughs> well, we'll just. 
Just skirt over that one. That <laughs> yeah, seems, that seems like a whole topic for another time. <laughs> okay, well, what, what, I, what I've taken out of this episode is that, you know, fight or flight in terms of anxiety is very real and is probably not going away anytime soon. No, I'd be surprised. Yeah. But perhaps the pandemic and the fact that everybody has encountered some shift in their mental health uh, means that going forward, you know, individuals that do have anxiety issues might actually feel happier discussing discussing their, their troubles because people might be in a more empathic place. Yeah, or you can just relate better. It's like, you know, you can't really say to one anymore, you know, smile, it might never happen. It, it has happened. It, it really did happen. It everyone. is literally happening right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. There's, there's no, that, that, that cliche has now, I think it's past its sell by date now. There's, there's no coming back for that one. Well, there <coughs> we go. The, there's, there's another pandemic silver lining then, isn't it? I guess. We are trying to <laughs> dig in deep for the Let's for the try goals, and always yeah. end it on a positive note, shall <laughs> yeah. we? What else is there? This really dark podcast <laughs> we've some, somehow started, but it's fun. I think it's good. It's healthy to talk about stuff like this, I think, yes. personally. Uh, and I, I hope I hope that actually one thing that we will take out of all of this is being able to talk more. Yeah, we're gonna we're again. I think once people can talk face to face again, I think that'll be a big boost as well. As in, oh God, inter, interpersonal conversation. Can you imagine? Well, yeah. I mean, people will either just go in, like insane with it and just be like unable to stop like yelling into the faces of other people, or it will just get like we'll be so bogged down with the life of Zoom and remote mm. calls that it will just actual face-to-face conversation will be like hang on how do we do this can yeah. you hear me can you see me am i <laughs> just like poking their face can I, with it, can I, <laughs> yeah hang on i'm just gonna reboot and then just i don't know like having a nap and then getting up and starting again i guess that really weird idea of like the whole human race becoming like a just reverting to the conversational type of like gawky teenagers like hi <laughs> just sort of, uh, yeah that's yeah, it how yeah. hi how are you i'm uh. fine Oh, cool. You, How are you? I'm fine too. Good. You, and you? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like? Do you like stuff? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so uh, how about or or British? How about this? Uh, this weather we're having. <laughs> yes. That's always always a good fail safe fail safe <laughs> on that. Indeed. All right, then I will uh, speak to you next week, Dean. Indeed. And if anyone has any questions, of course, send them to the usual places. They'll be described in the outro. Bye. Bye. So, here is the outro with the relevant information, as promised. If you want to ask us anything mental health related or would like to suggest a topic for Rachel and I to discuss, or even just leave feedback or some description, you can contact us via Twitter at BrainYappinPod, you can email us at BrainYappinPodcast at gmail.com, or use the form on my site at deanbonnet.com. Like with most podcasts, positive reviews and ratings are always helpful, so if you are inclined to leave us such a thing on the podcast provider of your choice, that'd be appreciated. Uh, this podcast was launched to coincide with the publication of my new book, Psychological, uh, Why Your Mental Health Goes Wrong and What You Can Do About It, uh, or some of the subtitle, all about mental health and what's actually happening in our brains when we experience problems with it. Available now at all good book retailers and some of the less salubrious ones too. Not fussy. As ever, Brain Yapping Battle Damaged is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more curiously entertaining podcasts, live streams and live events, blogs and documentaries, head to CosmicShambles.com to support the network, particularly during these times, and get access to lots of exclusive content, subscribe at patreon.com forward slash cosmic shambles. See you next time.